Welcome to Days of Update for May 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Dan Red Victoria. And yeah, we have a packed show for this week. Uh, we got some nice stuff coming out here in the near future. A couple of neat little events that are going on. Uh, yeah, some new stuff coming to Switch Online for mm-hmm. once. Maybe not maybe not the things that you're expecting, but there's still mm-hmm. stuff happening there. We got the latest in Amiibo news. A lot of people are getting angry mm-hmm. about it. Uh, mostly legitimately. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, we got some news on a game that is coming out this fall. Brand new. Eight years oh, yeah. after its original release. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit of uh, E3 news and such. There is one little wrinkle in the E3 showcase stuff. Mm-hmm. But we still have no dates on anything. No nope. dates or times for shows. So, And... We got a weird games coming out that uh, you probably would never have expected this combination to exist. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Emil talking about the IGN and Game Informer news as far as the Israel-Palestine thing that happened. Yeah, this that whole uh, that whole thing was uh, it's infuriating and it's it's generally not a good idea when the parent corporate decides to cut in and undercut editorial. Yeah. Um, so we'll it, get to that just, here. It just makes the corporate, bit. it just makes corporate look bad, but we'll get to that yeah. later. Yeah. So that's kind of the, an overview of what's going on this week. But before we get to that, we'll be talking about what we've been playing and I will mm-hmm. kick it off here. I've uh, been playing Ratchet and Clank future cracking time on stream. Got a few more stream sessions in including some this uh, afternoon, which still liking that a lot. Uh, maybe the uh, the one weird thing is I just kind of throw a lot in each of the sectors uh, that you're in that uh, my desire to kind of dip into everything is maybe slowing things down a bit, but I am somewhat near the end of the game, I think. I have mm-hmm. one more major clank sequence to go through. Uh, those puzzles still seem to be a lot of fun, and they have not done any of the other uh, stuff. The the weird like uh, scepter thing, shining a laser on these planets to fix mm-hmm. the whatever the the time issues on those planets. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, they're just throwing bolts at me, so I always know <laughs> when I'm about ready to unlock new weapons. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's. That's awfully nice of them. Uh, I can see where the where things are going here towards the late game, as a certain character mm-hmm. seems to be a little too invested in something that's going mm-hmm. on. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's been uh, a lot of fun to keep playing. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, let's see. Also been playing some more No Man's Sky, which has been a lot of fun to jump into. Uh, yeah, because we'll talk a little bit more about what that is all for. But yeah, I'm working on this expedition. Uh, I've got it's like one of the major things. I think each of the the phases that they have in there is just a series of goals to do, and you can do them out of order if you need to. Uh, a lot of them are 
I think lined up so you probably will do a lot of them close to each other. Uh, one of the phases just like land on these different types of planets. You know, fiery planet, that kind of stuff. Uh, the different hazards. Uh, but yeah, kind of working my way through. I've gotten three rendezvous, which they're these points they put on the map uh, in certain galaxies. And yeah, it's gotten me to actually try out a lot of the later game stuff that I never really get to when I'm starting up a new save, which is like loading up stuff onto my freighter and uh, loading that uh, or expanding that stuff so you can have more mm-hmm. slots. Uh, you get a bunch of upgrades from completing these different uh, goals. And that's been pretty fun, especially for some of the, the stuff I've been getting for uh, my own person that uh, I can, you know, do the, uh, the jetpack stuff a lot more uh, or a lot further than I have been, have been able to in the past. So that's been nice. Uh, we can get really good distance on some of these uh, jetpack stuff. So that's been uh, a lot of fun. So yeah, that's been nice. Uh, still working my way towards getting this uh, big unlock at the end, but uh, I'll talk a bit more about that later. Uh, yeah, we talked about Grindstone coming out last week, and they sort of timed that along with the the new free game on there as part of their big mega sale. Uh, so that is sort of their big sales event, uh, which has the $10 coupon. So if you buy any games that are $14.99 or up, it'll be $10 off. And you use one coupon, it gives you another one. So it kind of keeps you you know, wanting to go all the way with it, which is fine for me. Uh, but I picked up Grindstone, which was $14.99 on sale for the launch and then made five bucks with that. Uh, coupon. So I picked it up for five bucks on Epic Game Store. And it's been a lot of fun. Jumping back into this, uh, the big thing I did not know is that Epic Game Store has achievements now. Uh, so that was pretty surprising when it pops up. Uh, so yeah, that's been kind of the fun thing there. Uh, I think I hit Shift and F3 to pull it. The social thing, where you can see like friends that are online or whatever. Then there's a tab for the achievements. It uh, doesn't seem like there's any points or anything tied to them. No trophy stuff or anything. Uh, doesn't seem like there's any stat tracking or anything. So if you're getting you know stuff like kill this many of enemies in Grindstone, uh, you have no clue uh, how close you are unless you unless there's maybe some stat thing it's doing in game. But I don't think it is. That's not really that kind of game. But, uh, yeah, that's been a lot of fun and a fun way to have a game that uh, works really well to have, like, in windowed mode on PC. Kind of like watching something on one screen and having that over in the other uh, and be able to hop around in whatever I'm doing. So, yeah, that's been uh, a lot of fun to jump into that. And as well, I've been playing some Marvel's Avengers. So they just put out... Or they've been putting out some free stuff every week. I think they are just been putting out for paid stuff MCU uh, costumes for the different heroes, which I think all the ones that they're doing right now are themed with Endgame. 
So I think the one I saw for the Hulk is him wearing the dumb suit that they used to time travel in Endgame. Uh, which is a weird choice for that. I don't know how much of a choice they had with that stuff, so who knows, but uh, that's been kind of that. And yeah, I just kind of did some more stuff, which is interesting because I just got to the point where Tony Stark comes into the picture and that whole thing. It's a bit weird because I jumped into the multiplayer stuff uh, before getting that character, so he had automatically had some better loot on him. Nothing that really seemed to make it any of the combat stuff a breeze, but mm-hmm. it was... Uh, I like the character, I was like, why do I have all this loot? And it's like, bad. I was like, oh yeah, because I did that stuff. I liked like the second social space, which is also weird, but... Uh, yeah, that game has... Jumping into it now, it has a lot of content in there. I don't know how good all of it is because it's a lot of uh when you get to your map there's just a lot of events on there it's like oh you can go here and there's these different events and they're tied different things like limited time events i think they just added a modoc uh thing event challenge thing that uh ties into the the new hulu show mm-hmm. so they're doing lots of weird stuff tie-ins with the other marvel stuff so yeah that's kind of going along pretty decently but uh that's been pretty much it for me how about you brandon uh yeah um well for me i'm still playing mass effect legendary edition Uh, i'm getting close to the end of the first mass effect and i know that because i'm now in novaria which is the big corporate planet that you end up meeting uh liara's mother in and that's, you know, I remember very distinctly back in the day when I played the original, uh, that that is very much like a signal that you're getting close to the end. Um, so in the meantime, I'm going through uh, also trying to do like a, a bunch of the side missions and stuff so I can build up my uh, my stats and my paragon status and all that stuff and god i forgot just how much content they managed to shove into that first game because they could probably fill an entire book alone on all the information they tell you about on the individual planets you end up finding and encountering in this game even the ones that you don't even get a chance to actually land on there's a bunch of those that being said, uh, I also got to tell you, the Mako, the way that they've redone just all of the um, all of the, the original controls for the Mako actually makes the Mako portions fun, which is something I never thought I would say, because in the original game, the Mako was an absolute nightmare to control. Um it was like you were trying to it was like you were like you know water skiing from the back of a boat but somehow you were both the water ski and the boat at the same time and that you were guiding where you were going but you were apparently still like strung to something that was definitely only giving you a small amount of control um 
But yeah, it's definitely a lot more entertaining. I'll also tell you, um, one of the other big differences this time around is they made the Mako a lot more durable than it was in the original. Um, in the original, if you flipped around too much, you could damage the Mako very badly. Here, you can pretty much flip it around everywhere as much as you want and barely put a dent in it. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, really, I got to tell people, if you want, who are thinking about if they want to pick up the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the remaster of the first Mass Effect that they did is pretty much worth the price alone. Because they improved the game, that first game so much, it's insane. But uh, other than that, also been playing Streets of Rage four. Um, I'm still trying to do those four, um, those four retro boss fights. Um, and I mean, I I managed to do the first three retro boss fights pretty quickly, but the fourth one, um, the fourth boss fight. Retro boss fight is essentially like two boss fights in one because it's the uh, boss fight against uh, Mr. X from I think it's Streets of Rage 2 um, where you first have to fight Shiva and then after that you have to fight Mr. X himself and Mr. X is armed with a machine gun um, that basically rakes across the entire uh, playing field so you know, unless you're able to get him before he starts shooting that thing, it's almost guaranteed to hit you, and it will take out a huge chunk of your life if it hits you. If you've gotten to the point in the main Streets of Rage 4 game where you've fought um, Mr. Y, you know, with one of the Y twins, uh, he actually has a very similar move pattern, and his machine pistol basically operates the exact same way, in that it basically rakes the entire playing field. Um, and uh, unlike in the main game, if you end up dying in the retro boss fight, that's it. You basically have to restart the level in order to try and do it again. Um, also, uh, I went back and started playing Apex Legends again uh, because it's been a while since I played it. And uh, yeah, that, that that I still understand why that game basically saved EA's ass. Um, as far as like battle royale battle royale shooters go, it's probably the best of all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, really just kind of looking forward to Biomutant coming out Tuesday because uh, yeah, that comes out Tuesday, and I've already got pre-ordered and everything. So uh, yeah, Dan, what about you? Yeah. Uh, so last week I, t- I said I um, started Ratchet and Clank. Uh, I finished it as soon as we. we uh, got off the podcast or, you know, um, later on that night. And, um, my opinion is, has pretty much stayed the same. Um, I was never like fully, um, engrossed in everything that was going on because I feel like the story was going to too many places at once. And I still can't name anybody and not name the ratchet or clink. Um, the superhero guy, you know, going rogue was totally obvious. just just because of the way things were playing out. And, um, yeah, but aside from that, like, um, what I really enjoyed about the game that um, I don't hear too many people talk about were, were the boss fights, um, like despite oh, yeah. how general they were, like they, they, they're pretty much just damage, uh, damage sponges. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just trying to figure out like the right weapon to use for whatever situation and knowing that 
honestly, every weapon is the right one as long as, like, you know, you're using them in the proper sequence to um, to, to uh, better fight them. Um, just uh, really resonated pretty well. Um, I'm not going to be platinum in the game because, uh, you know, it, it requires another playthrough to challenge mode, and I uh, didn't have any interest in that. Um, but, yeah, uh, this this definitely, you know, uh, scratched the itch of not having beaten a Ratchet before, and now I can say that I have. And uh, for what it was, I enjoyed it. But, um, you know, when I think about it, and, you know, when it, with, it, with its value when it first came out, I think it was a 30 or $40 game. That's pretty much what I would, like what I'd pay for this. So um, once the new one comes out, like you know, I- I'm totally gonna judge it as a full seventy dollars title. So uh, I look forward to that next month. Um, mm. I also uh, caved and bought Famicom Detective Club. Um, I was hoping that I've been uh, hearing about this a lot. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like um, I-, I was hoping that uh, Nintendo would have a code lying around because like I I didn't think it would be you know tremendously popular. But like out of everybody that I follow um, that has played it, they've loved it. And um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of um, uh, visual novels or interactive novels or things like that. But, um, you know, I, I really did enjoy the Phoenix Wright games. Um, I haven't played Danganronpa, but that, 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 that's a series where I have every game for. So I figured, all right, let's, let's go ahead and try this out. Um, I also figured that since they were doing the bundle deal, um, it made more sense just to just go ahead and pick it up because I just don't know whether Nintendo's going to drop this price anytime soon. And knowing Nintendo, they probably won't. So, um, yeah, I, got, I went ahead and picked it up. And I did finish uh, The Missing Air, which was uh, the, the original one. New, yeah, the first one. Yeah. Uh, it was the original one that came out in 88, which was when I was born. Yep. Yeah, this is uh, we're talking old school Nintendo here. Um, these games originally came out for the Famicom way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and they also had the art and story team behind the original Metroid. So, um, Yeah, Gopei Yokoi was even the producer. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's got a pedigree to it. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And, like, if, if you look at, you know, uh, games that came out in that era, uh, namely Punch-Out!, uh, what, what they had as cutscenes, you know, weren't really cutscenes, but they, they, they were pretty cool for what they had. And um, that's pretty much like um, what they were with Famicom Detective Club back then. Uh, whereas now, like, you know, they upraised everything, like everything has been like redesigned and remade and, uh, with like, you know, today's anime and manga um, <clears throat> standards uh, put to place here. And it's all really, really well done. Like uh, mm-hmm. when you play the game, it's really like a like a higher quality Phoenix, right? Um, because even yeah. with the 3DS uh, Phoenix Wright games, they weren't as animated as they were in this game. That being said, mm-hmm. like they're not of they're, they're not of the highest quality, but they did enough to really make to give it a, a respectable makeover, and I really appreciate yeah. that. But the biggest difference between these games and you know just to compare the Phoenix Wright games is that um, these go to much darker places, and the writing oh, is a whole yeah. lot than you know the Capcom games are. Like Phoenix Wright is for, for for lack of a better term, like the, those are pure comedy. These are serious mysteries. Um, and even oh, yeah. though, like, uh, the first game, The Missing Air, um, is, you know, um, in my opinion, the, uh, the story was a little cliche, but that, that, that's only because, like, you know, I've seen so many detective movies and things like that. So, well, I mean, it's it like, was a game know, from 1988, so, I mean... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they, they, they don't really, like, you know, um, delve too much as far as storytelling there, but for what it did, it was really good. Um, my main thing is, like, again, comparing it to Phoenix Wright, it's a whole lot harder. Um, for example, oh, with, yeah. with, 
with Phoenix Wright, when you're when you're going through all the menus, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it, it's common to uh, pick an option that you've picked before, uh, just so you can like reiterate what's what's been said and things like that. But with Phoenix Wright, like they'll they'll mark that you've already chosen that, and uh, you know, picking that won't actually impact what you're doing. Whereas with Famicom Detective Club, uh, there's no such. Um, it's not as obvious, and there's parts of the game where you'll have to keep asking the same question over and over, maybe even three times even, for certain things to change. And the game doesn't mm. really make that obvious. Um, the only thing yeah. that the, 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 the only thing that it really does make obvious is when it's time to move on. Um, they'll go ahead mm. and like make things yellow or, or highlight them in a certain way, just just so you know it has your attention. But aside from that, like I wouldn't recommend this game if you're somebody who you know can't commit. You know, like like you know at least an hour to at least get into it mainly because um the game requires you know all of your attention because like i said like you have to go through certain parts of the story in a specific way and if you're not paying attention it's really to get lost really easy to get lost in that regard like i probably used to use the guide with this game maybe like six times which is like maybe even far less than i'm willing to admit and um that being said like uh Still really enjoyable um again i finished the first game mm-hmm. uh, i moved on to the second one last night and the second one is actually a prequel because the the, the main character is younger so mm-hmm. um yeah uh so far i have you know uh it's it, it's it's definitely really good um i'm willing to say that i'm a fan after i finished the second one and i hope that we do see it continue because you know uh this genre of game has uh evolved well past this and this is a good indication to show like you know where nintendo has been as far as like you know the gaming spectrum with each genre and it's really interesting seeing is how um seeing how far they've come like you know they're they're known for mario they're known for zelda they're known for pokemon but you know games like this also have their place in the world and it's good to know that you know you know the ogs over at nintendo can can pretty much seemingly make make anything seem good just because of them just because they're them so well, uh, if, if I remember, I mean, the guy who was like the original writer and designer, Yoshio Sakamoto, he still works over at Nintendo. So, mm-hmm. you know, if this, if this does well enough, I mean, they may very well uh, ask him to get back in the saddle again. So, yeah. And I um, I wouldn't be surprised considering like how how um, how Fire Emblem picked up. Like, you know, they they they, they released that like out of the blue, seeing as how. Marth and Roy were so successful with uh, Smash, and like you look at it now, and it's one of Nintendo's better-selling games. And it's also their most consistent. So, um, yeah. At the same time, I, I forget. Uh, yeah, you do you play uh, you you do you play like a specific person in this game? Um. Yes. Uh, except you you actually name the character. So if he actually has uh, a, a a canon name, then I don't know. All right. I think it's because I. I remember very distinctly because like i think it was back in melee like one of the big characters from the famicom detective club is actually one of the trophies you can get yes um, uh that and is if a- i remember correct yeah uh, go ahead she is, she is she is actually your main aide uh in the first mm-hmm. game and then in, the, in yeah. the second game you find out that she is the best friend of one of the characters who died who was part of the main plot points so yeah, yeah, she's she's really important in that regard, and I think she was actually meant to be an actual playable character. She was so, like, plus, actually, knowing, knowing that, like, I'm wondering what they actually have her do in the second game to really warrant that, you know? Because the thing about Smash Brothers is that, um, despite what you think about every character like being playable, they all have um, a gameplay loop 
in their uh, um in their fighting moves to really make sense. And mm-hmm. I don't know how this girl would, but again, like um I'm I'm assuming it'll be discussed in the story. I'm I'm not sure. I haven't played it or read about it, but we'll see. Because like you you look at um right. for example Todd Snoke versus Capcom. And Phoenix Wright was also a character in that game, and it was like beyond bonkers, but it worked. So yeah. I would assume that you know she does something crazy in this one too. Okay, but yeah, that's uh, FDC. Uh, really enjoying it so far, but again, it's also it's also quite difficult. So, mm-hmm. so if you're uh, somebody who's into graphic novels, uh, again, uh, prepare to uh, look up a guide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I also um, tried out the. The demo for Scarlet Nexus, which came out on Xbox over the weekend. Um, I didn't put too much time into it, but the main thing you should know is that um, you can use either the male or female protagonist and uh, pretty much go from there. And it teaches you uh, a little bit of, about the nuances with each battle system. And I've used uh, only the girls so far. And from what I played, like I pretty much just went through the motions. Um, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it or not enjoyed it but it, it, it was pretty much just there um my main interpretation is that the, the the tutorial was a little too much i would have preferred it to just like you know let me go through the motions and at the same time um i was a little bit dismayed at how the story was um telling itself um with games of this size like i would expect like full-on um uh full-on performances and um what's it called uh production uh out of the cutscenes. And these cutscenes were pretty much like, uh, it's kind of like comic strippy. Like, you'll see various splashes on the screen trying to be Persona 5, but you wouldn't actually see the characters, you know, talk at each other um, using the actual um, visuals or graphics engine. Uh, you, you, mm-hmm. you just see them, like, standing side by side, kind of like they, they do in Fire Emblem. And that was, like, kind of disappointing because I know that... Um, Bandai Namco is capable of way more than this. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a bit disappointing. Um, I haven't gotten to try the guy yet, but um, out of what I've played so far with the, uh, with the battle system, there's, there's a whole lot of throwing uh, environments around, similar to how Control worked in, in, in that regard. Um, but other than that, like, it's fine. I'm really hoping that, you know, the, the production is a little bit better than what we saw in the demo, but I also wouldn't be surprised considering this game is coming out really, really soon. So I'm a little lukewarm on... Um, on uh, uh, Scott Nexus. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Knockout City uh, came out on Friday, and I tried it on EA Play, Xbox um, Game Pass. And um, again, so uh, I work for EA, so uh, take what I say with a grain of salt, but um, <clears throat> it's really solid so far. Knockout City is pretty much a dodgeball game on Overwatch maps. And um, I didn't do much aside from like doing the tutorials and doing a couple matches. And I'm enjoying it so far. Like you run around these maps, finding dodgeballs, and then you can um, hold on the right trigger to charge your shots, and then throw them at um, uh, your opponents. And then you can use the uh, the left shoulder button to catch them. And you also have a lot of like super power moves and all that stuff. But what I really enjoy so far is that it's a full on um, uh, multiplayer game in third person. Like you don't have to worry about first person or. Uh, that kind of like trouble that'll give you like uh, motion sickness issues, and so far the out of what I've played, uh, despite sucking at it, like it's been really fun. So I'm looking forward to playing it some more. I'm, I'm gonna play with Josh later today, and uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, all right. So yeah, it's uh, 
Knockout City is free for everyone right now. I think for the first 10 days, okay. they have like a trial up that anybody can play. Not just those right. that have access to EA Play subscriptions through the various means. Uh, so that's kind of the, the interesting thing they're doing, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a neat way of doing that compared to the way they handle Rocket Arena, which is expecting everybody to pay money. And mm-hmm. people are like, no, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> not unless you give it to us for free. And then they mm-hmm. eventually did that. But yeah, that's kind of interesting thing they're doing here, which is trying to build up uh, more people that can try it out Mm -hmm. uh, with as little friction as possible uh, before either asking them to pay or just saying, hey, you can subscribe to EA Play and get it through that means or Game Pass Ultimate or Game Pass on PC, uh, that kind of thing. So. That's where that's going right now. But yeah, I need to check that out because I downloaded it. That's about as far as I've gotten. Just haven't had time for that just yet. But yeah, uh, let's get to the news here. Uh, the Last yeah. of Us Part 2. Big game. Yeah. Uh, Sony's been yeah. releasing periodic updates for some of their stuff. This is one of those games people are like, oh, there's no way they're just going to release an update for this game. Uh, they're going to release a remaster. And charges full price, no cross buy or anything like that. And then not as nope. no, <laughs> we're just doing an update. But <laughs> uh, this just seems to be uh, a means of unlocking the frame rate, no increased mm-hmm. resolution or anything. And it's not a game that's I think was even really running in 4K or anything. Like the the way that that stuff is all set up is it's running at. I think like 1440p internally, mm-hmm. but it'll obviously scale to 4K or 1080p or whatever your display is at. So there's no real uh, resolution enhancements or anything like that. But now if you're playing mm-hmm. on PS5, you can play it at 60fps, get it nice and smooth like that. Or you can lock it at 30fps if you want. Because there might be areas that it doesn't Ooh. keep the 60fps, I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice uh, new reason to jump in. For right. the, the people that have been holding off for whatever reason, yeah. anticipating some sort of update or remaster or whatever to happen. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it, it's a good change that Sony made. Um, I don't really see myself, you know, uh, jumping into it because I already have the platinum. And, but it's worth, it's worth noting, though, that, you know, I do think that The Last of Us Part Two is the best looking game I've ever played. And, you know, mm-hmm. it looking better just uh, sounds pretty awesome. Uh, do I care to that extent? Not really. But again, like Chris said, if you haven't played the game before, you know, prepare to have your mind blog or your, your mind uh, boggled. Yeah, oh. if you're like me, that's stopped uh, a little bit in because shit was getting heavy. And this was during the pandemic where I was not in the mood for that as much. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a good reason to go back now. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. And right. uh, yeah, speaking of weird games being on PlayStation, uh, the uh, one of the people that releases archived stuff that they've found uh, found a build of Gears of War three that was made for the PS three. Uh, and this is something I think Epic has mentioned before is a thing that they did because they were you know 
doing work on Unreal Engine and why not uh, just port one of your games over and see how easy that is and whatever you need to do to the engine to make that, you know, work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of how that came to be. But now this has been released onto the internet. The caveat is it is a development kit uh, sort of build. So you need a mm-hmm. PS3 dev kit. Uh, the was it RPCS3 emulator uh, mm-hmm. right now seems to not be able to get any further than the title screen. So maybe that'll get improved in the future to support stuff like this. Maybe it doesn't run in normal PS3 mode. Uh, but for the time being, it's a, a select type of people. But there's there's videos of this on YouTube uh, if you want to see it right. in action. See what Gears of War 3 looks like when it's got PlayStation prompts, I assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's that. All right. You know, for a little weird bit of history. Oh, yeah. Uh, Technically a Microsoft game. Now on a PlayStation 3. Yeah. Uh, Why exact? What was it exactly? I mean, were they actually like, was there like just a moment where, you know, they were thinking, oh, you know, maybe we can do... uh, uh, we can cross over to the to the Sony market with this series, which, let's be honest, the Gears of War series has been a very venerable Microsoft exclusive since the first game. Like, so much yeah. so that first game was very much like a system seller. Um, yeah. But... Uh, uh, this, I think this is just purely engine testing. That's possible. Uh, working on that kind of thing. No, that's what they've said before. Yeah. Because ah. this video uh, that they posted shows the build is from 2011. For mm-hmm. this. So I think it's like a build that they keep uh, for testing of their engine upgrades and all that kind of stuff. They ship out to their partners, that kind of stuff, for something that's mm-hmm. easy to work on. Yeah, they told right. Kotaku back in May when this word of that this thing existed. Uh, saying it's a byproduct of Epic's internal Unreal Engine 3 testing process, which utilized both Gears and Unreal Tournament. It's never part of any actual product work for PlayStation 3, which would make mm. sense with the way that the the thing pretty much at this point only runs on dev kits. So, mm. yeah, there's that. Neat little bit of uh, okay. game history. Oh, yeah. Even if you can't really run it, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked a bit last week about... Uh, Grindstone releasing on the Epic Game Store. I'm wondering if that was going to mm-hmm. be the free game because they were currently put a thing as like a oh, new game, but you know, hiding what it was, uh, leading to speculation about a variety of games, that kind of thing. But uh, the day came and they real they uh, revealed that it is NBA 2K21 uh, mm-hmm. being free, which is a big get. It's another 2K game because I think they did this similar thing last year, which was when they put out, I think, GTA 5, Civ 5, and some other 2K games on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, kind of following up with that. 
uh, for a free copy of that. It's like 99 gigs. So take up uh, plenty of space on your PC hard drives. If you do download it to play it, mm-hmm. uh, but also it's part of their uh, mega sale promotion, which is their whole mm-hmm. big yearly sale where, as I mentioned, when talking about grindstone, they give you a $10 coupon, lets you mm-hmm. take $10 off any game, 15 bucks or higher. Uh, so you can check that out. And every time you use the coupon, you get another one. So you can keep going with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's some pretty good deals on there, uh, especially for some of the, the PC stuff that hasn't quite gone on bigger sales yet. But uh, you can also check the, they specifically have a uh, search option for $14.99 and up. We're looking at prices mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. So you can be like, what qualifies for this coupon? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's a, a nice little thing they do. But yeah, Grindstone is one I saw. Mm-hmm. They can get, uh, crap, what is it? Like, I forget the game. It's a, it's a roguelike game that I played a few months ago that is on there. It's like mm-hmm. a similar thing where it's fourteen ninety nine, so you can get it like five bucks and change, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of good stuff on there for some pretty good prices. If you mm-hmm. are interested in using the Epic Game Store for your uh, PC gaming, all right. So yeah, there's that. Uh, probably the biggest news of the week, as far as things that were surprising, uh, No Man's Sky. Uh, mm-hmm. They have their Beachhead Expedition that happened mm-hmm. this week, and the. Uh, the ultimate goal at the end was kind of kept hidden until people started earning it. Mm-hmm. And they released a trailer and all that for it when it's, they put out the update to actually reveal what the the mysterious prize was. And it is the Normandy from Mass Effect. Yep. Uh, a nice That's little right. partnership between uh, Hello Games and EA and Bioware. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ship is a frigate, so it's not one that you can fly, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the freighters are the things where you can store extra uh, materials and such uh, in your ships, I think up to six ships, that kind yeah. of thing. But uh, frigates are something a bit different, I think, yeah. I'm looking up on the wiki right now for what they are. The ship's larger than a single-user starship, but smaller than a freighter. Mm-hmm. They usually be found surrounding an NPC freighter. Okay, they're yeah. the things that hang when you warp your uh, freighter in. Uh, there's a ship that's like behind it. I think mm-hmm. if you do like freighter combat against other people uh, yeah. or pirates or whatever, uh, that's a ship that can help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. They say a player can own up to 30 frigates once they command a freighter. Frigates will then be sent on expeditions to other star systems. So you can send them out to do missions or find stuff for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's neat. You can have the, the Normandy be one of those ships. But it's not one that you can actually control, I don't think, directly. So yeah, mm-hmm. they say that this is for their fifth anniversary. That is this year. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of think that's been five years this game's been out. Uh, but they have other stuff in the works to celebrate. So yeah, that's mm. uh, fun to see. Oh yeah. 
and I was saying on Let's Weekend that I hope uh, one is that you can get a uh, Rocket League Exo vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a little moon rover that you can drive around in, uh, which the start of the expedition is kind of like, hey, you should bring one of these up and mm-hmm. uh, do some stuff with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to look what the specific, I think it's a Roamer. Mm-hmm. It's Roamer and Nomad, I think, are the the ones they have, which are sort of light exocrafts that you can drive around and do mm-hmm. stuff in. Uh, that would be a Rocket League version of that would be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, they have some other tie-ins, I think, in the works. Yeah, they say, as is our fifth anniversary year, we have some other surprises up our sleeves. More information coming very soon. This event's going on until the 31st, so if you are uh, a No Man's Sky player or somebody who's suddenly interested in it, uh, you have a good uh, week or so at this point to check it out. And there mm-hmm. are video guides that can sort of walk you through how to do the various uh, missions in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not too long, but if you're starting from zero in terms of knowing how to play it, it might take you a bit longer than that. But there are some guides out there that can help you out with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I've been running into the issue of sort of SEO articles. They're just like, here's mm-hmm. a list of all the events here. And it's like, that's not a guide. You're just telling me yeah. the thing that I can I can pull up the main the the pause menu and look at it. It <laughs> helps me nothing. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that's been that. Uh let's see. Uh right, Game Pass has uh some new games that are coming out this month. Mm-hmm. Uh for the rest of this month here, I think available now is Snowrunner for console and PC. Mm-hmm. That is a follow-up to Mudrunner. Which is a game about taking these uh, these rugged ass trucks uh, through uh, very muddy environments and dealing with these oh, sort of yeah. more realistic physics of trying to deal with uh, roads that do not give you very much grip or none at all, and small mm-hmm. that puts you in more snowy environments. Mm. Uh, so you know, get to do all that kind of fun stuff. To that, uh, let's see. There's a bunch of cloud stuff that's going on there, like Peggle 2, the new Plants vs. Zombies game, Battle for Neighborville, mm-hmm. Fusion Frenzy, because if you need to play that anywhere, I mm. don't know what kind of person that would be, but as <laughs> uh, a Joyride Turbo. It's like, I don't know if you can do multiplayer through the cloud. Because mm. uh, it have to be the local multiplayer. I don't know what that is, but... Mm-hmm. That's a thing you can do, I guess. Jura Turbo is a bit better. That's the sort of maybe kart racing esque game that is uh, featuring the avatars on Xbox. Yeah. So that's a thing there. Uh, let's see what else is on here. Oh. Secret Neighbors on PC. That's that weirdly huge kids franchise. Yeah. That's not necessarily a kids franchise. It's like horror games mm. stuff. But yeah. kids are huge into it. Uh, there's the, yeah, there's the Wild at Heart, which mm-hmm. is an indie game that's out on Game Pass at launch. It is out now. Uh, yeah, there's that. Let's see, 21st, yeah, Knockout City's on there. There's a fishing mm-hmm. game called The Catch. Uh, starting on the 25th, there's Maneater for console and PC. 
mm. which is a good game. Check out. It's oh, a yeah. Fun little silly game. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The 27th, there's Conan Exiles, which is eh. It could have been better. It's, it's, if, you're, if you like survival games, it's definitely uh, not bad. You somehow played all you need out of the other ones, the thousand other yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. This one's an all right one. Well, this one has nudity. Yeah, maybe not easily accessed on console. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, you kind of have to, like, go. Yeah, there's, like, a whole fucking thing you have to go through. And even then, like, some of it is still censored in the Western market because that's just how our fucking society is. Yeah. Uh, let's see, there's also MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries, which I didn't know was oh. coming to consoles. Uh, that is the sort of mech. Uh, I was like more of a mech shooter. I think it's not the turn-based mm-hmm. one. I don't think. Yeah. Mm, let's see what else is here. There's Slime Rancher on PC, Celesta, mm-hmm. Crown of the Magister on PC, and Spellforce Three on PC. So there's that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> there's like some perks and stuff they mention here. At these Game Pass quests, which the one is kind of stupid. It's play the final season of The Walking Dead and make 12 choices. Which luckily is like uh, less than one episode, one chapter. So you can get yeah. it done before you get an achievement mm-hmm. in that. But it's like a good 20 minutes of gameplay there. Maybe you should start the first one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's weird. But yeah, there's that. Uh, also yeah, coming to game- hearts uh, snuck up on me. I I remember that being like one of my highlights from like one of the previous ID and Xbox showcases, and uh, yeah, I didn't know it was already mm-hmm. out. Yeah, seemed to just come out the other day. But uh, yeah, also coming to Game Pass later this year at some point. I don't think they have a date on it yet. But it's Rift Breaker, mm-hmm. or the Rift Breaker. I've seen people describe it either way, but. Uh, that is a sort of base-building survival game with action RPG. Kind of uh, ties to it, so a little bit like Diablo to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's loot to it, but it's coming to Game Pass whenever it's coming out. Uh, that is, yeah, PC and console sometime this fall. Mm-hmm. Who knows when, so that's a game that, uh, uh, if you're interested in it, you know, you have Game Pass. Yeah. You don't have to pay any extra money to check it out, unless you want to. Mm. So there's a nice little okay. thing. Uh, so I've got another hot service, I guess, Nintendo Switch Online. Yep. Uh, the Super Nintendo and NES apps are getting some new games. I think it's five total. Mm-hmm. One on the NES is Ninja Jajamaru-kun. Uh, yeah, it's... Is- uh- Go ahead. Yeah. Ah, you're like a, a ninja that is let's see take the role of a ninja and rescue the captured Princess Sakura. This action packed game. Originally released only in Japan. Jaja mm-hmm. Maru must use his throwing stars to defeat lurking monsters. Keep an eye out for the ultimate power up, a ride on Gamapa Kun the giant frog. Yeah. Because so Japan. Uh, well that's kind of like a uh Feudal Japan, like mythical kind of thing. Yeah. Of the 
the big ass frogs like Naruto has whole things about it. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff. This is obviously more late '80s anime kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm looking at the screenshots here, and um, it actually it kind of reminds me of like a a bit of like there's like a bit of Kid Icarus in there, but there's also a bit of um, I want to say Bubble Bobble, but not really Bubble Bobble. Um, the game that was like the sequel to Bubble Bobble, I forgot what it was called. It looks a lot like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm betting it's like many action games on on the NES. Mm-hmm. But this one has a ninja in it. Yep. Yeah, so let's get over to the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one game in here I know a lot about because it's one of the ones I owned. Super Baseball Simulator 1000. Mm-hmm. That is a very good game. It's very much... An arcadey baseball game. Uh, you can make your own teams, name the players, give them uh, different kinds of abilities. So I'd make, uh, you know, teams cool. uh, based on like the the mid '90s, like Cleveland Indians teams that were doing cool. really well. So that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's a lot of fun, like a lot of ridiculous kind of stuff. But kind of plays a bit like RBI baseball, uh, cool. but just with some wild kind of power-up pitches and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so that's neat. There is Caveman Ninja, also known as Joe and Mac. Mm. So that's kind of a straightforward action platformer kind of game. I think you can play in co-op as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's Magical Drop 2, which is a puzzle game. Uh, another one of those that only released in Japan. I never had an mm-hmm. English release, but it's a puzzle game, so it's not that hard to... Uh, figure out. Mm-hmm. And there's Spanky's Quest. I don't really know too much about. So Spanky was on mm-hmm. his way to a picnic when the witch Morticia began dropping bricks from the sky. Trapped with, trapped with six towers now built across the land. Spanky must clear yeah. each before the witch's evil pet crow catches him. Have to use his magic ball to stun enemies, bounce it off his head to power it up. And pop it to attack, and try. Yeah, and it actually it was uh it was uh originally I'm pretty sure that was originally like a game for the Game Boy, and then they made like a NES version later on, like I think like a later on that year. Yeah, it says here April ninety one in Japan on Game Boy, mm-hmm. December ninety one on Super Nintendo in mm-hmm. Japan, but the mm-hmm. NA release were the same month oh. uh, July 92 so yeah that's uh, another neat little game mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that's your lineup for this quarter uh, seems like mm-hmm. a decent lineup there mm-hmm. yeah so that's that nothing really huge there unless you're into some Japan only stuff yeah, yeah. I mean like these don't really move the needle. Uh, then again, they, they, they never really do. I, I personally look more forward to the uh, modern takes on Battle Royale games for classic games like, you know, Pac-Man and Mario 35. But yeah, you know, mm. content's content. And, you know, it's NSO is like 20 bucks a month. So who, who really knows or who mm. really uh, knows what, they, what they're supposed to give us? I think 20 bucks a year, what you meant. Mm-hmm. You said a month. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 bucks a year, sorry. Yeah. 
20 bucks a month would be a different conversation altogether. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd be like, where's my GameCube and Wii games, Nintendo? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a game that uh, used to be a Switch-only game. Uh, now yeah. kind of iterated to the point that it's uh, free-to-play on PS4, Switch, and PC out May 27th. Super Bomberman mm-hmm. R Online. It's coming to Xbox mm-hmm. One at a later date. But yeah, this is the sort of Battle Royale version of Bomberman. Mm. Well, the the same style and all that that Super Bomberman R had. Yeah. Uh, There is a Battle Pass system in it. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Super Pass for free people. You can pay for the Gold Pass to unlock more cosmetic stuff. Mm. Uh, 800 Bomber Coins, whatever that means for the Gold Mm. Pass. So I'm betting you buy in-game currency, then use that to buy the pass. And yeah. if you play it enough, you might earn enough back to get the next one. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is uh, out here in the near future, and it seems like they have a premium pack that's optional for $10. Yeah. It gives you access to 14 additional bomber characters, including nods to Konami IPs like Gradius, Silent mm-hmm. Hill, Castlevania, and others. Yeah, so some of those like additional characters they added to Super Bomberman R over time are going to come to this as like a paid thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the premium pack also allows you to create your own private room matches with your with custom rule sets and such. Mm. Uh, so that's neat. Yeah, that'll be one you can sort of check out. And I guess season one for this battle pass includes Old Snake Bomber from Metal Gear Solid series mm-hmm. as one of the headline <laughs> things you can earn in it. So yeah, that's a thing there. Mm. Let's get to one of the the bigger news bits of the week. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD is coming out mm-hmm. here in July 16th. They announced that they have a new Amiibo coming out mm-hmm. with Zelda and the, the big bird Loftwing on it, which looks really nice. Yeah. Like it's $24.99 for the Amiibo. Mm-hmm. And they also revealed in all this news that, hey, there's uh, an extra feature that comes with it. It is a sort of fast travel option that goes beyond what the uh, the one that's kind of built into the game is. Uh, where that one was, I think you could warp between different save points in the game, these little statues. Yeah. Uh, but this one lets you warp out of uh, where is it describing this area? Uh, you can warp up to Skyloft, which is sort of the the place where you can fly and go find you know shops to fill up on bombs and potions and all that kind of shit uh, mm-hmm. from any point on the map, even from within dungeons. So if you're getting you know fucked up in a dungeon, you can warp out. And then when you're done, you know, filling up on your stuff, uh, you can warp exactly to where you left off. Uh, I cry bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we jump off the deep end and like trash Nintendo for, you know, locking a feature behind Amiibo, which we've done in the past, I do want to say that, you know, as, as somebody that's, you know, a finished Skyward Sword back in front, um, I don't know if this feature 
is really all that helpful, mainly because, especially in dungeons, when you leave a dungeon and come back, um, normally all of the enemies respawn and a lot of the puzzles also kind of like redo themselves. I'm, 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 I'm assuming that'll be fixed in the new game. Um, like, yeah, like aside from that, like quick travel in Skyward Sword specifically isn't really all that needed because like, um, so in order to make this work, you have to, you know, tap the amiibo at the given area below the surface and then tap it again from where you are above. And the thing with Skyloft is that Skyloft is really just a central hub that you'll go Mm -hmm. back to in between the story, uh, but normally just to, like, you know, get to the next part. It's very much like the sea was in uh, Wind Waker and uh, things of that nature. So while I can definitely understand the... um, the outcry for what's really a um, a quality of life thing. It's not really anything that improves or takes away from the Skyward Sword experience. In my opinion, what made Skyward Sword as, I don't know, I guess controversial or, you know, quote-unquote as bad as it was, was the fact that the game was bloated and, you know, quick travel oh, yeah. back and forth doesn't actually really improve that. It just... Honestly, I don't even know if that really helps. Because if you look at, for example, Ocarina of Time or those eras of Zelda's with Ferro's Wind, uh, that particular item allowed you to go back into a dungeon anytime you wanted. So it's pretty much the same thing here. Um, mm. I rarely ever needed that because usually when you play a Zelda game and when you go into a dungeon, you want to be able to finish that dungeon within one playthrough. Granted, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably entitled for saying that. But yeah, honestly, my main complaint with this amiibo is the fact that it's $25. This is the most expensive amiibo since the Mega Yarn Yoshi, and the Mega Yarn Yoshi is huge. So I'm going to expect this amiibo to be a little bit bigger than the standard one, but that probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing for me is this... This is a feature that if you buy the amiibo, it should just be unlocked as a thing you yeah. can do whenever. Not just I have to tap it. And it should also be something that you can unlock uh through some other means as well. Like if it's you know, you beat the game once, then you can do that whenever, because who cares? You've already beaten it. Mm-hmm. Just let you fuck around and play however you want after that. But yeah. from what I've seen, I think Patrick Kleplik talked to and the Nintendo PR and they're like just pointed back at the announcement uh, which doesn't say anything about unlocking it so I assume that's not a thing you can do in the game and it's like it may not be necessarily like a huge game changer in terms of feature but it's still uh, a new thing uh, a quality of life thing that can improve things for some people uh, especially if you're maybe not the greatest at the combat and you get fucked up in dungeons don't want to necessarily run around trying to get hearts or anything. Uh, mm-hmm. If you waste all your ammo for things. Uh, so just letting you kind of bop out. And it'll depend on what that, if it returns you to the same state of the dungeon when you come back, or if it's resets things, uh, like checkpoints here or mm-hmm. whatever. Who knows what to find out when this this thing comes out. But yeah, it's, it's kind of just a bad look all around for a game yeah, that doesn't, it, doesn't it's need... It's the main reason why I bought two, like, just to really, like, 
check if this feature is like really worth it. But it also goes back to the fact that, you know, it's also a $25 item. Uh, yeah. I mean, like comparing it to uh, the Animal Crossing Cross Sanrio um, Amiibo cards, which are sold out and selling for a few times as much on eBay. Like those are literally just six cards for seven dollars, you know. And you know, if you're lucky enough to have it, sure. But seven dollars is a lot different than twenty-five, in my opinion. So yeah. yeah. At yeah, the end of the day, like dollar um, game. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, for like the the, the argument between you know hiding uh, DLC behind amiibos, like you know, I'm I'm all for, um, you know, hoping that Nintendo or you know any any other developer in general would just go ahead and make that feature available somehow whether it be like you know buying it through the digital storefront or just making it available in the game um i also do like being able to have a physical item that makes the game better but i also feel kind of awkward about it being an exclusive thing yeah yeah even the notion is like it'd be like oh i need to get out of here let me get my amiibo out uh if you don't have it sitting next to you it's like oh scan it once Oh, I need to keep it around because I gotta do it again when I'm done. So what am mm-hmm. I doing? It's like that seems just super tacky the way you're doing that as well, mm. or the way it's yeah. like intended to work. And then I know that there's going to be people like me who like have like every amiibo anyway next to the TV, and and that wouldn't be a big deal. But it's also still a big deal to go through piles and piles of boxes of amiibo to find the right ones. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it seems bad on both sides of it for. People that have maybe actually use this, but don't want to spend mm-hmm. turn a sixty dollar game into an eighty five dollar game, uh, as well as those that uh, buy it and do want to use it and, and have to keep scanning it over and over again when you need to use mm-hmm. it, even if that's not that uh, common of an occurrence. But it's it's a game that needs all the positive press it can because it's uh, one of those games that's derided a lot. Because it came mm-hmm. out so late on the Wii, and so focused on motion controls that their ability to just bring it to other platforms that have come out after it has been mm-hmm. tough. Why they had to create this new control scheme to, you know, make so you don't actually have to do any motion controls to play the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the. I think that's like it should be as good of a product as it can be, and. Include quality of life features. Nintendo doesn't necessarily like to do that kind of stuff uh, a lot of times, uh, but this is a game that definitely uses could use all the positive press it can. They yeah, really just I mean, like the, the, their the, toe for no reason. The the rough thing is that, like you said, like Skyward Sword came out late into the Wii's lifespan. At that point, the Wii had a whole bunch of shovelware, and it was really tough to you know decide what game was good and what was bad because Nintendo was also responsible for both. And with Skyward Sword, while it was a good game, like I said, the the, the problems with how bloated it was uh, reared their ugly head, not to mention it came so late that, you know, not a lot of people cared about the fad anymore. And now here it comes for the Switch where, you know, you're expecting all sorts of positive momentum because the Switch is great and things like that. But then they revealed it in such a way that pissed off audiences because you're expecting Alnuma to talk about, you know, the next Breath of the Wild, but he brought this instead. Like, honestly, this should have just been marketed a whole lot differently. And it sucks to really mention that because, like, that was the reason why the Wii U sucked to begin with. Um, and, yeah. like, again, Skyward Sword, is it, it's not my favorite, but I do think it was a solid Zelda game. And you're right, it, it, it does need the, all the positive press it can get. But 
so far, like, you know, with it being uh, the price that it is, plus this Amiibo, um, it, 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 it's really tough to get behind it. Then again, like, you know, like most Nintendo fans do, you look at Amazon, this is also the number one selling Switch game, so, you know. Yeah. It's going to power through it because it's a Switch game and a mm-hmm. series that is really popular. One that hasn't had that many games on it, unlike Mario, mm-hmm. where most of the Mario games are now on the Switch in some form or another, uh, whether it's through the NES or Super Nintendo apps or just straight sale, though technically uh, the Mario collection is no longer on sale digitally, but you can probably find used copies out there. Yeah, and if, if, if there's one thing Nintendo knows, I'm sure with the Skyward Sword's release date, like they know that you know they'll be able to hemorrhage sales any way they can because, um, look, we all know it's Zelda's uh, 35th anniversary as well, and there's bound to be more releases, but by just announcing this and having this be the only Zelda game that we know is available for pre-order, you know, that's mm-hmm. going to get them their sales. And as soon as this game comes out, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another Direct two weeks later talking about, you know, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, however it may be. And then they talk about Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild 2. So, again, Nintendo's getting this. So, whatever works for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they particularly made this announcement and revealed this information because in two months, nobody's really going to be talking about it. That isn't uh, already dead set on buying it. Those that don't give a shit about the game, are just going to whine about it anyway. But I think mm-hmm. people are going to be more interested in just seeing how the game plays when it no longer requires, you know, motion controls or any of that stuff. So yeah, it's maybe not the best way to handle this game. Yeah, anyway. and maybe the uh, the sort of backlash will prompt them to add it as a thing you can do in the game mm-hmm. uh, without the amiibo. Because guess what? They're going to sell those amiibos anyway, where they put some dumb little bonus thing in there. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool figure. Yeah, like the the amiibo is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And you know, uh, yeah, they already sold them. the The pre orders has been selling out like ten minutes after releases. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the nicer amiibos I've seen, especially uh, for the Zelda ones, which all look really nice from what I've seen. Uh, especially a lot of the Breath of the Wild ones that have like the, the Guardian, that big old thing, uh, as well as the different sort of heroes that you run into in Breath of the Wild. Uh, they're all pretty well done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, Nintendo getting a slight scratch on their knee essentially, for what all this means in the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get to a game that isn't going to sell gangbusters anyway. Uh, the nope. Ascent. Uh, that game got announced in one of the Xbox streams before the Series X and S launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been kind of quiet since then, but they announced that it is going to be releasing on July 29th. Uh, published by Curb Digital and developer Neon Giant, their first game. Uh, with devs who have worked on a variety of games, Gears of War, Boltstorm, Wolfenstein. Uh, It is an action RPG, sci-fi setting, sort of a cyberpunk, you know, neon futuristic kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, It'll be on Game Pass on the Xboxes and PC, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can check that out without further... uh, 
money invested into it mm-hmm. in a couple of months. So that's the thing you can look forward to. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, also coming out later this year, we're getting to the point where the fall releases are getting announced and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2K said, fuck it. We're bringing out Grand Theft Auto 5, Grand Theft Auto Online, to the new consoles. Yep. Uh, we knew Grand Theft Auto Online was coming, and probably that some form of GTA 5 would be coming to the new consoles. Uh, mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto Online is going to be only on the PlayStation 5, I think, for... Uh, or no, it's only going to be free on the PlayStation 5 for the first three months of release. Mm-hmm. Then you have to pay for it on Xbox. Uh, I think it's a PlayStation Plus benefit, maybe. Mm-hmm. I forget what that whole thing was. Uh, it was one of the the weird pre-launch streams for PS5 where they showed GT5 for some reason. You're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, they're bringing Nets along. If you uh, are interested, you can get, uh, if you have PlayStation Plus, you can get a free $1 million in GTA bucks uh, through the PlayStation Store. They put that mm-hmm. up. I think they were expecting this thing to come out in the spring, and that's obviously not happened. They've blown past that by a good six months here. Uh, but yeah, they have sold a ridiculous amount of copies of that game. I think it's like the 130 or 140 million copies at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like they are not making this free for anybody that owns it on PS4 or Xbox One. Nope. So they're going <laughs> to intend to keep keep the money train going. Ask people to pay even more money for, let's see, uh, the quote is, the new generation versions of Grand Theft Auto V feature a range of technical improvements, visual upgrades, and performance enhancements take a full advantage of the latest hardware, and get more beautiful and more responsive than ever. They also teased even more fun surprises to share in honor of the upcoming 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto III, October 22nd, including some specifically for GTA Online players. So part of that is in, uh, improving the load times into GTA Online, like the mm-hmm. PC version's gotten. Yeah, I've, I've bought this game twice, once on PS3 and once on PS4. Um, never beat it either time, and I honestly can't tell you why I haven't. But yeah, yeah. this game is, is now going to span three generations. It's good, probably going to be uh, a full decade before we even think about six, and that's that, 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 that's kind of unfortunate, but we also did get we did get Red Dead Two in between that time, so I guess I'm not that bitter. But you know, if if you work at Rockstar, you have a secure job, so can't hit yeah. on that. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the 20th anniversary of GTA Three thing they're hinting at is. I assume they'll do some items and such for GTA Online, but mm-hmm. uh, some sort of like. Remake of GTA 3 would be interesting in the sort of GTA 5 engine would be neat. Yeah. Uh, that game was a wild thing and maybe not as accessible as it once was. Uh, just the way it plays and all that. And I think the I have the PC version on Steam and it doesn't run easily. I have to go through the... I tried to play it recently and it was not even rendering correctly the menus has gta 5 done any of those like you know um ulterior quest dlcs like the ballad of gay tony or have they just been relying on online the entire time 
They've oh pretty much been relying on online the whole time. That's that, that's been... so crazy, and and, and and like somehow this game is in the is in the NBT uh, top twenty like every month. Like you would think after all these years, everybody has the game by now, but yeah, there's always new people jumping in, and that's why they're releasing GTA Online as its own uh, launcher, so you can just get into that instead of taking five minutes after you launch GTA Five. And you realize, oh shit, I'm launching into the campaign. I meant to go online. Add another few minutes to figure that out. Uh, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they've just been adding a bunch of different weird things. There's like a Battle Royale style mode in there. There's a bunch of uh, racing modes that have like weird tracks like the... Uh... Crap, what's the Ubisoft franchise? That they have... Uh... I forget the, but a lot of ridiculous like modes and uh, stuff in there that is wild and the, the sort of thing you can do when you've been literally iterating on this mode for eight years at this point. Mm. Uh, they've literally got casinos in the game, like multiple casinos. Yeah. So you can go gambling with that yeah. million bucks you're getting every month. There's like no cross play or anything, no cross progression, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they will do that in this. I think they did it last time around, but only for GTA Online. You had to start the campaign over again. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yep. Because you thought GTA 3 was huge when that came out. Mm-hmm. This is like 10 times the amount of copies that sold. It is. Which is not usually how games go. Nope. When those games were the best-selling things around. Mm-hmm. Better than Madden and all that. Mm-hmm. As you said, there's still charting on the NPDs most months. Yes. Mm-hmm. And unlike Nintendo, they're putting that shit on sale dirt cheap all the time. I think it's like $7 oh, yeah. on Epic Game Store if you want that mm-hmm. version of the game. So... When people say, like, no, Nintendo shouldn't put their games on sale because that's ruining it, the purity of all this. It's like, look at GTA V. Yeah. Obviously, not many games are GTA V level. It's mm-hmm. like maybe Minecraft and Fortnite and some mm-hmm. other free-to-play games, but that's about it. But, yeah, yeah. let's get to uh, the next news, a game that's obviously going to be just as big. EA Sports PGA Tour. Oh, <laughs> EA's first foray into the golf game in nearly six years or so. Well, it'll be seven by the time yeah. it comes out. It is coming out mm-hmm. spring 2022. No specific date on that yet because we're still in the COVID time. So yeah, knows if they'll actually hit it. But that's their intention to release around the same time as the 2022 Master Tournament or Masters mm-hmm. Tournament. Or the Masters, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why they wrote Master Tournament. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, uh, potentially if they do the game right, it'll be a big one. Mm-hmm. It'll be quite a bit later than uh, Super Mario or Mario Golf. It's Super Mario Golf, but uh, Mario Golf, which is out uh, two months from now, I think. Mm. So yeah, there's that. Uh, let's get to some E3 news or something like that. I don't know. 
Uh, <laughs> Jeff Keighley announced that his Summer Game Fest 2021 starts June 10th with the showcase yep. event uh, that will have see feature quote more than a dozen world premieres and announcements from select publishers as well as a performance by Weezer of quote a brand new stream safe game soundtrack song that can be freely streamed without losing monetization okay. so just in case you need to uh, worry about your Twitch co-streaming stuff. Uh, as well as their co-hosting Day of the Devs showcase. So it won't be like that one time they played Metallica and they got shut down? Or yeah, that out. will happen. <laughs> yeah, they're covering some game soundtrack song or they're making a song that's going into a game. It's not really much difference at this point for Weezer. They do lots of covers. Mm-hmm. That are oh, boring. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, they're also doing Days of the De- Day of the Devs uh, showcase for new independent games with the I Am Eight Bit and Double Fine Productions and all that. There's mm-hmm. a long list of partners here. Uh, Sony is on this list, just in case you're wondering. Uh, unlike E3, but yeah, Microsoft is also on this. Uh, Blizzard, Bandit Namco, and Aperna. Amazon's on this for some reason. Mm-hmm. I guess they might have a game coming out at some point. Uh, Activision, 2K Games, Capcom, Cook Media, Microsoft, Psyonix, Riot Games, Sega, Square Enix, like all the big companies, Warner Brothers games. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't put that story in there, but the, the Warner Brothers thing is weird. Uh, there's that merger, Warner Media and Discovery. And yeah. Warner, they're not sure what's going on with the Warner Brothers games publishing aspect of it. There might be parts of it that are spun out as their own thing. Mm. Uh, that's going to spin out like the console PC part of it from the mobile part. Who knows? But it seems like the people involved in that publisher and their various operations are unsure what's going on, which sounds like a merger. Mm. People are waiting for that to pull out. But yeah, they are that's going to be a weird thing, but yeah, the Summer Game Fest is happening. I'm looking at their site now, and the weird thing on their event schedule is Ubisoft Forward, which was an E3 show. Huh. So they're they're double-dipping on that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe not, maybe not having mutually separate uh, sets of events between the two. Uh, also on this is EA Play Live, so that's also mm-hmm. part of this. A uh, month later or so, uh, the Steam yeah. Next Fest uh, is also on here. In regards to Ubisoft thing, Keeley said that um, he didn't really uh, plan on having any of the developers or publishers make any of their content exclusive to either show. So that's worth mentioning, but I also think you know that that, that weirdens it. Um, the main thing that we do know is that E3 stuff has no date for it, whereas um, mm-hmm. Keeley's is starting to come to fruition. So yeah. that's pretty cool. But I don't know. Like yeah. at this yeah. point, at my in, in my opinion, like they're all the same. Um, the main thing is, I hope in regards to double dipping, I hope that we don't see the same thing twice. Like that's probably like one of the main things I I hated with uh, with last year's, especially like in regards to. Um, I think it was Assassin's Creed of Valhalla. Like, you know, you, you see something big at Ubisoft and all of a sudden it shows up at Xboxes. Like, oh, who cares? Who, who cares? But, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that kickoff live, I think is the name for that first showcase that he has going on. It's June 10th at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific. I think it is uh, Thursday. Let me look. Yeah, yeah Thursday. Whereas E3 starts on the 12th and it's Ubisoft forward at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Nobody knows anything else about E3, despite it being two more weekends away. Mm. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. There's also Steam Next Fest on here for June 16th, which is sort of where they have a big sale and have hundreds of demos you can download that are only mm-hmm. available for, I think, like a week or so. That's also on there. So they're accepting of events of all types. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that uh, Thursday is where this stuff starts kicking off. Mm-hmm. Uh, then through the weekend and all that, so you can check that stuff out. And so yeah, the the one bit of E3 news is that there won't be a separate Bethesda showcase for E3. Nope. It'll be a part of the Xbox showcase, so... Yeah. For the 12 people that were worried about that. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors swirling around about what we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, The one that I'm hearing most often is that we're going to find out more about Starfield, and that apparently there's going to be a release date. Um, yeah. That... Is and like the a lot of them are saying it might actually come out this holiday season. Which, if that's the case, well, I want to be excited, but I mean, we've seen Bethesda's track record, yeah, especially so, for the Bethesda Game Studio. Mm-hmm. We have also seen rumors like oh, it's not actually coming that soon, it's probably 2022, yeah, so which would knows? probably we'll be more out. appropriate. Yeah, we'll find out here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I think I think Starfield coming out in 2022 is about as accurate as God of War coming out this year, too. That's fine. Probably not the case. Yeah. So we'll see. As we've been saying, it's a matter of time. Somebody's got to announce dates for things. Mm-hmm. And so far, Jeff Keighley has more dates than E3 does. Yeah. Or they could all <laughs> just pull a Nintendo and tell us 12 hours beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Jeff Keighley for E3 3. Mm-hmm. Even though one of those is on both, so who knows. Mm-hmm. Let's get to things we do know. Uh, there's a game that got announced called Lies of P. As in the letter P, not other P's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it is a Souls-like game. Yeah. Based on Pinocchio. Yep, you're playing Pinocchio. And Who, I was like, okay. And set in a very Bloodborne style like world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That looks really weird. Because if you look, if you just saw screenshots of this and all that and looked at the trailer without the specific parts commenting on this part of it, mm-hmm. you would probably not ever think this was tied to Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you play as Pinocchio. Yeah, you play as Pinocchio. And you're trying to find Mr. Geppetto. Yep, the guy so, who makes you. 
Yeah. And apparently uh, a big like part of the game's um, overall uh, sort of gimmick is that apparently dishonesty is like a gameplay mechanic, which if you think about, you know, the Pinocchio story, what ha- happens whenever Pinocchio lies? You know, his nose grows. Yeah. So is his nose a weapon somehow? Does other things beside his nose grow? Does his limbs grow? I don't know. Or maybe you tell All I know is that this is really... Grows, and then you yeah. break it off. <laughs> yeah, break. It like, break grows long enough, then you break it off and beat him with it. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, though, despite how dark this looks, it would not be too off thematically. Because like uh, most of us, when we think of Pinocchio, we know of Pinocchio from the Disney movie, right? And... The Disney movie definitely had some fucked up shit in it. That whole segment with Pleasure Island in and of itself is utterly fucking terrifying. But here's the thing. They greatly, you know, toned down the darkness of of the original story for the Disney movie. The original story is dark as fuck, and shit like the Pleasure Island thing happens all the goddamn time in that story. That's actually uh, Disney in general. I mean, Frozen, Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, all those uh, fairy tales are far darker than what Disney has out. Yeah. And that's what they're good at. Uh, so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the same definitely is for Pinocchio, because Pinocchio was originally written as like a morality tale for children by like an Italian writer. And I don't know if you guys have ever like come into contact with like old European kids' books that were specifically written to tell like a moral or something for the kids, they're always insanely violent for it, 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 it's, it's messed up is what I'm saying. So it it's not at all outside of the theme of Pinocchio for it to be dark like this. So oh, just wait till the mods where they put Pinocchio from Kingdom Hearts into this game. Oh God. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, here's all the rest of the Kingdom Hearts characters is these weird fucked up things. You know, like there's always yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine added to Who is, Resident Evil. It's always that. like the first fucking mod that shows up in any game for some yeah. reason. I saw a mod for Resident Evil Village that it just takes Lady Demestricu's, uh hat and just gradually yeah. gets bigger. Yeah. So every time you see her, her hat is just absurdly bigger. <laughs> yeah. Until it's clipping through the walls. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, that's that game. Nobody knows anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming to only the new consoles and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where they're going with that. Yeah, I don't think there's any date or anything yet on that, so... That's that. Uh, yeah, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart's coming out soon, and Insomniac mm-hmm. revealed the accessibility options that are in the game. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few in here. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. You know, doing things like auto targeting. So if you're not great at aiming, all that, even with uh, Ratchet and Clank's kind of auto targeting stuff that it already has. Uh, a lot of uh, yeah, contrast options to make enemies and 
uh, playable characters, easier to tell apart, as well as various other things in the game. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of vision impairment stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff here that is uh, pretty cool to see. Them sort of going further than what they've done in even the, the Spider-Man games and sort of get in the realm of what's The Last of Us Part 2 had in it. Yeah, I mean, like, Sony is uh, slowly becoming a leader at this. Like, um, we, we, we saw it primarily, especially with uh, The Last of Us Part 2, but, like, their yeah. work with Able Gamers and, like, the people there to, like, you know, make their games more accessible to everyone, like, is is tremendous. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. the, the, the great thing about it is, like, they do it in such a way where it seems, like, respectful. Like, um, my example mm-hmm. being with Last of Us Part 2, in regards to, like, hiding items and enemies, you can just go ahead and turn that on, and it, it doesn't affect your, your trophies. In fact, it makes it easier, and I'm like, okay, cool, this, this is great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, they have a, a lot of good stuff here that's sure to help as many people as possible to be able to play the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, so, yeah. It, it, it's good to, like, see this kind of, like, story especially with all the stuff we usually talk about with playstation as of late yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's that uh yeah so blizzard had in overwatch two events sort of talking about uh, a handful of different things about it uh, one of the biggest parts of that stream was the notion that they were kind of paring down the the team sizes from six players to five uh, kind of officially moving away from the sort of original conceit of having you typically have like two, 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 two supports, two damage heroes, two tanks kind of yeah. thing. Now kind of mixing it up in a way where you kind of, if you're even trying to do that again, you're getting light in one area. Mm-hmm. Which on the one hand, I guess kind of, it kind of helps in a certain sense because considering in the original in the original Overwatch, depending on how your team turns out, it's very easy for one team to way overpower another one to a point that it's frankly just not, not even fair. But on the other hand, you know, turning it down to just five characters like that, five team teams of five like that, it also means that you're always going to have a handicap no matter what particular, uh, you know, depending, no matter what you end up doing. So it's definitely, I mean, I definitely understand why they decided to do, why Blizzard decided to make that change. But, well, I mean, I'll be honest, a bunch of the Overwatch crowd has already started crying foul. Yeah. But I mean it's also the Overwatch crowd. They cry foul about the dumbest shit. So Yeah, I mean like Blizzard fans are the way they are. But I mean for me, yeah. Uh I stopped playing like after the Blizz Chunk stuff, so I don't even know how validated my opinion is. But um I've continued to watch some of the um some of the high level play. And like the main thing, especially for me, like when when jumping in, especially um having not played for a long ass time, is knowing that um, a lot of unnecessary time is taken and with, with character selection because a lot of times what happened or not even a lot, a lot, a lot of times it's 100% of the time nobody wants to play tank um, so yeah. moving, moving it to a five player setup uh, 
pretty much makes it easier and you're also incentivizing tanks in a different way because like even what they do now is they pretty much give a, a free loot box to anybody that, that, that plays tank because like people hate it that much um everybody mm. wants to play attacker and then you know support right after and then tank is last so this kind of like uh takes off um that um the time take on the take, take on on the menu screen, and I do agree with what you said about like you know making sure that um or this change pretty much enables certain handicaps uh there, but that that that's also the 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 part of play. I mean, like yeah. you're supposed to have a handicap because like you 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 have you want to know what to attack because you know when when you know what your strength is, you want to be able to attack the weakness, and it, it, it's all about how you can go ahead and uh, change things up. So yeah. I'm actually all for these and um, looking at um, this stream and what they did, I'm looking forward to, you know, actually getting my hands on it. Hopefully they do like an alpha or a beta test sometime this winter. But, you know, the maps look great. I can't say so much sorry about that. Uh, I can't say so much about like, you know, how the game looks as far as visual fatality, because, you know, we, 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 we were watching on YouTube and stuff like that. And it's not as it's not going to be as good as, you know, what, what, what we eventually get in the final product. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the game, and I'm looking forward to like uh, the various single player components that they're actually adding to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like it'll throw a wrench into the Overwatch League, as that will mean five sort of starting players mm-hmm. uh, compared to the six. So there's a way of cutting talent there. Mm. Maybe trying to I don't know if it that's a a factor in it all, but that's the way that fans tend to think of that, I believe, because you're sticking with the, uh, I think I think I've seen a lot of people just saying like they're making all their decisions with overwatch league in mind, uh, Mm. which is why when they've cut a lot of, uh, uh, stuff about the, uh, the game when it comes to the esports aspect of it. So -hmm. it's kind of weird to think about that in those terms where it's like, okay, this, it's a weird thing to to do, but I don't know. Overwatch 2 is a way for them to kind of try to get a bit more of a fresh start for this game that's been out for quite a while at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing new people, because I doubt there's that many new people jumping in at this point. Unless you're yeah, just and never to jump into rank. With the way a lot of Blizzard multiplayer games are designed, like they don't make a sequel for the sole purpose of replacing the other game. Normally they want them to be evergreen side by side. And if Overwatch 2 was also a six on six game, I don't know. It would seem pretty samey to me. This sort of like rectifies mm-hmm. that, uh, that stance. Well, they're also adding new, they got like a whole new, um, old new competition mode that they're putting in there too. Um, yeah. The, the thing about the robot pushing the wall, I forgot what it is, but yeah. They're they they they've got they're starting they they're adding in like in top of the on top of uh, reducing the five on five they're also adding like a whole new challenge mode they've got the campaign that's going to be in there um, yeah they're trying to differentiate this from the original Overwatch yeah which is probably easier said than done oh yeah you're probably gonna have a large part of that audience that is not interested in. Anything they have to say at this point, mm-hmm. as weird as that is, uh, but you know, a lot of people at this point know what they, whether they want to play Overwatch or not. Yeah, 
So it'll be a lot of work to convince any of those people, like, hey, maybe you should give it a try. Uh, try now, you know, see what. Well, one of the things they're really going to have to, they're one of the things they're really going to have to work on hard on is making that campaign mode actually be enough of a feature rather than just you know like an add-on that they put on as an afterthought. Like they got to actually make it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see how that goes. And this game's still pretty far off, so who knows exactly what is going on here at this point. But yeah, that's uh that's gonna be interesting to see how this uh goes in the future. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to keep talking about what's all new because a lot of this stuff is still gonna affect the the original game uh for any of the multiplayer stuff since they're essentially trying to keep it the same in a lot of aspects. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, let's get to our final stories here. Uh, the whole Israel Palestine thing has luckily ceased, uh, ended at this eh, point for the time. Eh, being. Kind of sort but, of, but that's another topic. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, unfortunately, hit the gaming world pretty hard as a number of uh, sites put up articles, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it as well as talking about the uh, charities you can donate to that'll help the civilians that are affected by this, uh, the fights that are going on here, the the strikes. And yeah. All that. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly IGN and Game Informer were two of the first yeah. ones to come out and put out uh, articles in support mm-hmm. of these sort of charities, helping out the, the Palestinian people. And that lasted all for all of about 48 hours. Yeah. Both of them ended up getting taken down. I think the IGN one got replaced with a new article that was like apologizing, but this happened like in the middle of the night. When obviously mm-hmm. most of the IGN people were asleep. Yeah. Uh, so when they woke up, they found out what had gone on uh, from mm-hmm. the people above. Uh, in either Ziff Davis or J2 Global, I think is the other company above yeah. them that owns IGN. Uh, Game Informer yeah. obviously has GameStop above them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all this, I think GameSpot as well put out an article because. Uh, Tamora Hussein over there is uh, Muslim, so this is something that affects him a lot. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first people to put out like a, a big video uh, talking about it and challenging people in the industry to actually uh, talk about it, write about it, whatever. Uh, but he's also done some charity streams to support uh, one of the one of the charities here, and did a great job with that. But yeah, in response. The uh, IGN staff also wrote up an article on Medium, signed a bunch of the people on staff, both in the uh, U.S., North America Mm -hmm. group, as well as all around the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, IGN wrinkle also, there's also a wrinkle in the IGN thing in that they have a specific group in Israel. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously going to be things there that are touchy involving yeah. them so they got involved as well putting out statements and such trying to uh 
put out their opinions on things, which are obviously going to be less than impartial on this. So it's basically a whole big shit show, but the IGN staff put out a pretty good piece sort of challenging the leadership at Mm -hmm. IGN's if Davis and J2 global to sort of talk to them about what happened here uh, and all that. Mm. And actually uh, meet with them inform yeah. about what happened instead of hiding behind, you know, whatever they're doing here. Yeah. Um, generally, the I, I'm guessing the reason they did this is because someone at J2 and GameStop, either because they have... Uh, what I want to think happened is that they were afraid that any of this money that gets donated might make its way over to Hamas because Hamas is the democratically elected governing party of Palestine. You know, like it or not. Um, Yeah. And they're also the ones who set off those barrage of rockets that usually happen in retaliation to anything Israel does in the Gaza Strip. Like, for example... The uh, when they decided to uh, try and raid the Al Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, for those who are wondering why everything seemed to ignite so fast. That's why. That was basically the that was the the spark that ignited the whole thing. Um, yep. And it was already like I mean it, the the situation in both areas were already deteriorating really fast. Largely, and uh, look, I'll tell you why. COVID. COVID had a huge part of it. And it also didn't help that uh, in Israel, uh, Israel has essentially been without a proper government for several months now because Netanyahu keeps underperforming in the polls, refuses to resign, and is unable to actually form a government. And he's under a bunch of uh corruption charges right now and a lot of people think that this maybe was sort of like a last ditch effort to try and fend off you know attention from all of that and it's basically failed because all it did was make him look even worse but i think uh, as we and we and we 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 said the same thing here on uh, let's weekend this is the first time, I think, in our lifetimes where the vast majority of the world, including the mainstream media, was thinking, you know, maybe it's not a good thing how we treat the people in Palestine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, w- w- without even going into detail about what's happening overseas, which, you know, Brandon already did, and uh, thank you for that. Um, like, honestly, there isn't really anything controversial about not wanting kids mm-hmm. to be bombed. Like, that's really what it is. I mean, you look at what, like, uh, Chris mentioned to Moore over at GameSpot, you know, they posted their article. Yeah. Nothing happened. So all, all it took was, like, some corporate entity to just take down an article, and all of a sudden, yeah, it's big news. And, like, let's be honest, like, um, people in, 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 uh, in the profession of gaming journalism or games media, we don't make all that much no. money. So, like... Us trying to, you know, raise money for certain humanitarian responses, again, should not be no. controversial. So I don't really see 
the point with, you know, the corporate entity over at J2 or Ziff Davis to go ahead and make this decision. Because, again, IGN is the biggest games website there is. And, you know, whether or not you give a shit about gaming journalism, we also care about our journalistic integrity. And, you know, IGN itself, as an editorial staff, has done has has made far more um, controversial decisions than this. And it's not even about like, you know, a, a political outlet a, a no. outlook on anything. And 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 just just to be honest, just to put it out there, I am definitely with the IGN staff on this. They wrote a wonderful piece on Medium and I'm totally behind them. And like, you know what, like as, as someone that, you know, has, has, has shaken hands and worked with a bunch of these people before, these guys are among the best at what they do for the medium. Like if they wanted to leave IGN and make their own super site, kind of like, you know, a giant bomb kind of funny, they would and they would do well. Like they, they don't they don't even have to worry about the, the, the corporate stuff that, you know, IGN wants to put in, because if they decide to make their own Patreon, they're going to they're going to do well because they're good mm-hmm. at what they do. And like, I'm not even just talking about their editorial staff. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about everybody in the back as far as like, you know, production and video and sound edits and whatnot. Like they're all yeah. great at what they do. So, you know, if, if, if IGN wants to go ahead and, or not IGN, but, you know, J2 and Ziff Davis and whatnot wants to go ahead and, you know, pound the hammer on this, you know, it, go ahead. But at the same time, the, the, the crew over at IGN is extremely mm-hmm. talented. And if they were all gone, oh, they're yeah. screwed. Yeah. And uh, as for the Game Informer thing, uh, the actual like editorial staff at Game Informer has actually been a lot more tight-lipped about this, and I think that partly might be due to the fact that, let's be honest, GameStop has been in economic dire straits for a while now. So, yeah, it, it, it might all be sorts a case. of weird money in their coffers. Like I saw a story, yeah, earlier that the Mormon Church has made a lot of money off of the whole GameStop stock thing. Yeah, their nebulous like fund of stock stuff got yeah. invested in that and got like nine hundred percent return. So it's like there's a lot of weird people with fingers in the yeah. pie in the GameStop yeah. business, especially as but, um, around the world. Yeah, but uh, just to sort of wrap all of this up, um, because obviously we've reached the end of the episode, but I think it needs to be said when this was happening through both IGN. And end game informer, and as everybody can guess, those uh, articles getting taken down ended up being big news all over the gaming sphere. You started seeing article about the Kotaku, Giant Bomb, Reset Era, all those places had huge like articles specifically about this happening. And in every single one of yeah, them, so it's go ahead. All right, just 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 real quick, like in a way, like that's sort of a blessing in disguise because this caused a whole bunch of other gaming outlets, big and small, to go ahead and do their mm-hmm. own thing um, with, 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 with what's going on. And in addition, in addition to that, I'm sure it's gotten IGN way more click-through traffic. So, yeah. But know. to wrap it all up, here's what I need to say. In every single one of these articles, in the comment section, you would find, without fail, a handful of people who would say, over and over again, the same goddamn mantra. Keep your politics out of my video games. And here's what I have to say to that. And you don't have to consider this necessarily the position of Smash Pad. This is just me talking. Everything that you consume, everything you eat, everything you build, everything you play, has politics in it. Everything is political to a certain extent. Everything you consume 
its DNA is interwoven with the DNA of the people who were involved in creating it, from the minerals that were mined to make the materials, to the ones who slaved away in the development studios to make your game. Whenever human beings interact in some way, politics are going to play some small part in it. So grow the fuck yeah. up and stop trying to pretend that politics have nothing to do with the things that you love. They sure as hell do. Yeah, it's it's Agreed. not a reasonable thing to expect there to be no politics. Is the people that find out uh, through social media that somehow rage against the machine, the people in there are political. And it's like, no shit. What do you think the machine is that they're talking about? For God's sake, the, the very, the, the very first fucking album they released, the cover art is of the Reverend Thikwan Du, the Buddhist monk, setting himself on fire in protest to the policies of President Diem of Vietnam. And there's people that How did have... you not think these people were not worse? somehow not political. These are people that have no media literacy. Uh, interest, I don't know what to, to go from there, but they don't look any deeper. That's where you get a lot of these weird accounts on Twitter. They're like, oh, here's this weird Easter egg from Back to the Future, like when uh, it's Twin Pines Mall, uh, but then he goes yeah. back and destroys the one pine. It's uh, Lone Pine Small, I think it's the one. It's like that's not a, that's not an Easter egg. It's literally right in your fucking face. You're just not paying attention. Oh. It's a facet mm-hmm. of the story that you don't notice. Probably not the first time you watch it, because you're yeah. like, ooh, fancy cars. Look at all this shit going on. It's a thing you watch in repeated uh, playthroughs. So, you know, watches that you uh, mm-hmm. notice that stuff. It's not an Easter egg. Stop calling it that shit. Easter eggs mm-hmm. are the stuff that's hidden. It's not like things that they smack you in the face with. And you're like, oh, that hurt. Yeah. Oh, well. Also, I, I just also, I do need to clarify this just to a small extent. When somebody says that everything is political, that is not uh, trying to shame or condemn you for liking certain media. Okay? No. That's, that's not the point. And I think part of the reason reason people get so up in arms about it is because they take it personal. It's not yeah. personal, okay? Critique does not equal condemn, as Jim Sterling is famous to, is is like to say. So, you know, that, that I, I have to kind of put that caveat at the end of there. But on the other hand, grow the fuck up. Seriously. Yeah. Enjoy what you like. That's fine. Guess what? That's yeah. why there is so much out there. You can find your pocket of weird shit that you're into, and don't let mm-hmm. anybody else tell you that that's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not a bad thing. There's also the part of it that is there's a lot of bad faith actors in those discussions. Oh yeah, that's also true. That's a huge part of our political system at this moment. Mm-hmm. Is that there's one of the major parties that's their motto. Has never They're, do anything in good faith. right now. Yeah, it's just never do anything in good faith. Yeah, uh, that's why there's lots of talk about hypocrisy because yeah. that's all they do. But you know, overall, it's just enjoy what you want. That's why yeah. there's so much there. Don't shame people for anything. Mm-hmm. That's because 
guess what? Everybody has their own thing, their own safe space, whatever. Yeah. But also, yeah, crit- criticism is not a criticism of you. Don't make things that you enjoy your personality. Uh, make that just a thing that you do. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. And then with the conversation at hand, again, it, it doesn't always have to be about you. This is about people yeah. helping other people. Why should that offend you? Yeah, there's people that need help because shitty things are happening. Yeah. And there's people that actually want to help them with that. And that's not to say that there are people that don't want them to get help. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's just saying that there are some people that are always looking for ways to have some sort of positive impact when they can't directly do anything about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's a thing that uh, we need to change how we do this in mm-hmm. the online space. But there's plenty of people that do not want to think that deeply about things. That's the mm-hmm. that's definitely a big issue. That's why everything is turning into a metaverse at this point. Because mm-hmm. we can't just have things be things that exist. Has yeah. to be part of some bigger thing, and all that. But also, let's just let's remove the plight of people in times of war from the like we say when Trump was president. Yeah, Trump is the president. He doesn't represent everybody in this country. Yeah, the people that do well, think I mean, that well, yeah, wave flags at you to tell you yeah. this is what they believe, and obviously Hamas does not represent all of the people who live in the Palestinian territories. And if you want no. to know why they were elected in the first place, it had very little to do with their politics and had everything to do with the fact that they basically set up the closest thing to a social safety net that existed in the Palestinian territories. You know, food services, health care, all that stuff. When the Israeli when the Israeli government denied them all those things. It's really that simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's but yeah, we should probably wrap this up. We're going on way too long. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing all right. Uh but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see, hopefully see a positive development in this kind of coverage as there's been plenty of it over the years, especially since Gamergate mm-hmm. thrust itself into the industry. Uh. You're like looking at this whole thing, and you're like where the fuck are those ethics and games journalism people are at? Yeah, like, hey, guys. Complain about. Yeah, isn't this what you guys were going on every fucking message board in 2015 and 2016 complaining about? Yeah, you know, it's... why are you suddenly so silent? Because it was never really about ethics and games journalism. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's going to be it for this week. I think that's all we really need to say at this point. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Feel free Mm -hmm. to let your friends know uh, about the show if you enjoy it. Uh, Help spread the good word. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, Thank you to Brandon Danrev for joining this week. Uh, We'll be back next week with another fresh load of news. And I will be needing by a mutant. So <laughs> it will be another week closer to E3 and still no idea when anything is happening. 
Yeah. As we've been saying at the end of a lot of these weeks, as we get to the point where people can no longer take time off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No one knows. So, yeah, we'll be back with a, a fresh slate of news. Hopefully, some more good stuff that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so hope everybody has a good weekend and rest of their week. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>